What is up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to the Vanguard Project. Today's episode is uh, is very heavy. Uh, we cover some pretty serious topics related to mental health, suicide attempts, uh, sitting with demons, and finding ways to maybe recover and handle it all. Uh, with that being said, uh, I want to give the heads up to you all so that if that's not your thing to go listen to, uh, feel free to poke around uh, some other episodes and find something that exists maybe on a, a lighter note. There's plenty of them uh, on on my channel, so feel free to, to take a listen for something else to maybe uh, fill your morning commute. Um, that being said, uh, this podcast is designed to share stories, uh, regardless of how fun or heavy they may be. Uh, with the goal in mind of educating, motivating, and arming listeners with tools they need to tackle life. Uh, before we jump into Kaz's episode, um, I want to uh, run through maybe a couple announcements and, and key, t- uh, key points for today. Uh, so number one, if you feel like you are on the brink of some mental breakdown or just feel stuck or lost, um, I know that it's pretty uh, a pretty tough time right now. Um, please feel free to reach out to someone. Um, I will steal Kaz's words, so of, of check on your homies, um, but also know that it's okay to reach out. People want to see you happy and healthy and successful, um, so I think that you would be surprised by taking that step forward to uh, get help where, uh, where or when you feel like you need it. Um, please do so. And, you know, I know Kaz uh, at the end of the episode will, will, you know, let you know that his number and stuff is on the website or his, uh, uh, the Ray Team Co's uh, Instagram. Um, Feel free to reach out to him, myself. I'd love to help get you connected however which uh, is necessary. Um, Number two, uh, despite the heaviness of this topic, uh, I would like to inform you of the folks that do make this podcast possible, um, both Everly Stock and Mountain Primal. Uh, they've been backing me from the beginning, the podcast from the beginning, and uh, if you're in the market for some outdoor gear, uh, give the guys at Everly Stock a call and uh, let them know that the Vanguard podcast sent you, um, or if you're fixing to get some uh, meats, anything to cook out, um, some fuel sticks if you're out hiking around doing whatever you do, uh, use code Vanguard at checkout for 15% off. Uh, number three, uh, if you like what I'm doing with this show, uh, you know, where it's going, the direction that it's headed, um, please take a second to like, subscribe, and review. Um, simple act means the world to me, and uh, it actually does help me get more exposure. I don't know how it all works, but more ratings means, I think, uh, more exposure. And that, that to me just means the world. You know, I love seeing them come in and kind of know, it, it lets me know that I'm doing something good and, and, and moving forward. So um, finally, and last, totally it before we uh, jump into an awesome episode, uh, take a look at the Vanguard website, uh, vanguardstories.com, and pick up some merch. I would love to see you all out there uh, repping the show, whatever shenanigans you're finding yourself into, and uh, continue building the community of uh, support. So uh, that's all I've got. So let's roll an awesome episode. And like I said, if you feel like you're stuck or anything, you've got people to reach out to. So let's roll it. What is up, everyone? Welcome to the Vanguard Project. Uh, so Kaz and I are sitting down again. So Kaz, if you haven't listened to, it's really the first one uh, with Kaz. He's uh, he's from Raid Team, uh, Raid Team Co. And uh, we're here to talk more about his story. And we're going to share a little bit about, um, I, honestly, we're going to kind of go down the rabbit hole on mental health, mental health awareness, suicide, 
kind of all of the things that Kaz has experienced and, and kind of sharing his story a little bit more in more detail about that, because I think uh, in some regard, you know, that's that's super important to the both of us is being able to kind of sit with yourself and understand what makes you tick and what pisses you off, what sets you off and and really kind of talking about it in a way that relates to you and, and hopefully helps kind of point you in the right direction. So Kaz, man, you know, it's, it's Sunday. We're recording on Sunday. I'm, I'm glad to glad that we got to sit down again so soon after recording the first one. So thanks again, man. Yeah, man. Um, the last one was pretty good. You know, yeah. you let me definitely, you know, take the floor with a lot of uh, things that I've been through within, you know, my small time on this earth. So I really appreciate that. Yeah, man. I'm, I'm really thankful. You know, for me, this podcast isn't about me. You know, I've definitely had shared some of my stories and stuff, but really it's a lot, a lot of folks have lived a lot more life than I have. So I, I like to be kind of the sounding board if I can. So for today, you wanted to talk a lot about kind of the suicide and mental health side of the house, which is near and dear to my heart. So let's just start there. So I know that you wanted to talk about the couple different times that suicide has, has come up for you and and been something that either you've attempted or tried or thought about. So let's just start with with the first time that it came came about for you. Um, the very first time that I kind of got those thoughts of suicide, it came out of nowhere. You know, everything was kind of it wasn't even a bad time in my life. You know, I wasn't really having any problems, um, but I was tired. You know, and when I say I was tired, like my soul was tired, like my spirit was tired, like something in me was just like, you need to chill the fuck out. And I didn't listen to that. Like, I didn't listen to that. Like, you need to get help in the back of my head. Like, you know, if, if, if you have an injury your body is going to tell you that i fucking hurt like this hurts like you need to get me checked out the mind is no different than that you know and i i remember what i was doing i was in the fucking barracks and i actually had a gun in the barracks i wasn't supposed to have one but i did um and i'm okay with you know sharing that too um i had a fucking gun in the barracks and I was sitting in my room and I was with my roommate, a uh, really good dude. And we always used to have these, like, uh, they were movie marathons. Like we'd go to the mall and go to like the, the places. I, I don't even know if they exist anymore, but they like sell CDs. They sell DVDs. They sell, it, it was kind of like a, a media store. Um, we would go to the bargain bin and get like old school fucking horror flicks. Um, and we would just, you know, zone out all weekend and we would do that. And so I'm sitting here and I think we were watching, uh, it was, uh, uh, it was house of the dead or land of the dead or something like that. It was one of those horror movies, like back in like the the eighties or something. So it was the gory ones. Um, (laughs) uh, we're sitting there and, and I just got up, man. Like I got up and I walked outside, started smoking a cigarette and something was like, just really fucking with my mental state to where it was like, everything that you've done is a lie, you know, you don't matter, you know, because if you did this, this, and this would have worked out for you. You know, these people wouldn't have left you. Uh, You know, the things that you try to do in your life, like if you were so important, then those things would have worked out. Like it was just like, it was somebody like actually talking to me, telling me this shit. So 
in my head, I'm like trying to fight it. And I'm like, it, it, it's like that good devil. And then the bad, like yeah. the angel, like on my yeah. shoulder. And both of them were kind of like battling at that point. Um, and the, the, the bad one, won. Mm-hmm. and I went to my vehicle at the time. It was a, uh, it was a, fuck, I think it was a Regal. It was an old, old Regal. And I sat in the, the fucking car and I just got ready to go. You know, I didn't need to prep. I didn't text anybody. I didn't fucking go tell my roommate like, hey, dude, thank you for being in my life. I didn't tell him shit. I just went downstairs and uh, I was down there for a while because he started calling my phone. And he's like, hey, like, where the fuck you at? And. It was just like absolute silence, man. You could have heard like the fucking pin drop in that car. And then I was like, oh, I'll be up there in a minute. And then like that was it, you know. But I was so ready to fucking go that, like, I just wanted that voice to stop, that self-doubt to stop. And it didn't stop, you know. It just, it was me that got out of the fucking car and went back upstairs, you know. But that whole night, man, like, I was battling it, you know. I was battling hearing, like, oh, you're a fucking coward. Like, myself was telling me that stuff. Yeah. So do you feel like that was yourself telling you those things or do you feel like that was something entirely different from from who you were it was a part of my ego okay it was a part of my ego i mean the thing about the ego is the ego is with you when you come out of your you know your mom's stomach Mm -hmm. it's with you every fucking single time that you like you do anything it's with you when you're a kid and your mom's telling you your dad's telling you hey good job you know, you're a star buddy, stuff like that. And it, it's like reinforcing that ego to where it's like, okay, I'm great. I'm a, I'm a, I'm great. I'm powerful, you know, and that can be affected. And I, it was my ego telling me like, dude, you're not as cool as you think you are, okay. you know? And I could have listened to that and I could have been like, okay, I'm going to try to figure out ways to actually get better, you know, be that person that I think I am, or I can like check the fuck out. And my decision back then was like checking the fuck out. Right. Okay. So then what, what helped you pull kind of away from that thought out of the vehicle back upstairs? Do you remember? I don't, it man, it was like such a like out of body experience, kind of out of mind experience that like when I went back upstairs, everything was fine. I guarantee you my, my roommate would have never fucking known. I mean, he'll probably listen to this and be like, dude, you motherfucker. You know, but I put the gun back underneath my seat and I went back upstairs. So you had gun in your hand, ready to go. That was it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I had a 45. It was actually one of the government issued ones. So fucking hammer was cocked. Round and chamber. I was ready to go. Okay. So in that first instance, what what do you feel like you learned about yourself or maybe something that you feel is relevant to share from that first experience? You're strong, but you're not stronger than your ego. You know, I don't care what anybody says because your ego is so powerful, man. Like I said, it's something that was with you since the day that you were born. You know, it's almost like the color of your skin. Right. Some people say it doesn't matter, but like it's something that's inside of you. So knowing how to manage it, man, knowing how to like accept 
your failures as being something that you can work back from instead of being things that just completely fuck up your whole life. Some decisions that you do make do fuck up your whole life. And I think that's what kind of like allowed me to kind of switch my mindset was, you know, you live another day, you know, um, but it's, it's just identifying what's you and what is your ego and being able to communicate with your ego, like, okay, you're showing me these things that I'm, you know, not proficient in, and I need to fix these things because your ego is not going to tell you how to fix any of this shit. It's your biggest critic, you know, but it's your, it's, it's your ego is one of those things that like keeps you in line. If you understand how to communicate with it. And for me, it was just identifying what was me and what wasn't me and going back and being like, okay, this is what I need to fix. Yeah. I can relate to that to a certain extent as far as, and not to detract because like, I think that, you know, maybe just to relate with the difference of, I guess, ego. And I never thought about, you know, kind of my demon on the left shoulder, right. Being ego, because, you know, I've got OCD. So a lot of the things that I struggle with are not necessarily depression oriented. Right. And I've never had thoughts of suicide. So I can't quite relate in that regard, but as far as having, something on your shoulder telling you you're worthless, you know, that you can't do anything, that everything in the world is wrong, right? My thoughts would always obsess over stuff like that. And I had a very hard time separating, you know, I would have basically like, you'd have myself and then all of those terrible thoughts. And then over time being able to separate them and say, okay, great. My thoughts are these. And I always refer to it as the demon, right? My demon thoughts are these other thing. And learning to live with them kind of in the same house and knowing that they'll cross paths and not have to interact with each other at all times. That was a pain in the ass to learn. Like what, how long did it take you to do that though? Um, Are you kind of still doing it? Still doing it. I mean, it's an everyday thing, um, but I think I've got enough tools in my toolbox now that when they cross paths, I know how to kind of interact, but it was about eight months of consistent therapy arguing with my now wife because there was a lot of things that she went through i would go to my buddy's house almost daily you know and now i've got my prescription right so it took a lot of different kind of things to come together and we ended up my wife and i before we got married got we broke up and that for me kind of helped us help me separate the demon from our relationship so that i could identify him so it ended up for me hitting a pretty good rock bottom to kind of separate it and understand like how they play independently and then when they come together you know how how they're supposed to how they're supposed to interact but not to the point of me breaking down and and kind of holding myself up for a couple hours and getting drunk to fall asleep so yeah yeah i mean rock bottom is a beautiful place man a lot of people don't they don't think of it as being a place of growth you know because sometimes you have to hit that fucking wall and be at like the bottom to start seeing yourself in the world for the color that it is. Yep. And for me, I think the thing that kind of helps is I just, I kind of remain kind of at that rock bottom mentally because it continues to help me like push the boundaries, stay stay grounded, man. You know, because if you get too high on life, the second something comes and fucks up that like 
that high, you're <laughs> fucked, dude. Like you did, like you know what I mean. That is so true. Yeah, so fucking bad. But it's like if you're at that constant state of like, okay, shit could go wrong, but shit could go right as well. But it's shitty right now. You know, it, yeah. it, it it's 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 not being optimistic and it's not being pessimistic. It's just like not being, being a fool. Yeah. You know, yeah, be exactly being there, <laughs> yeah, you know, because man, I remembered and I still remember things going right in my life right now. And then like, I forget about those bad times mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then something starts happening and it starts triggering and it's like, Oh fuck. Like <laughs> you know, it's already too late to fucking brave for impact. Cause I'm already fucking crashing, you know? Yep. So, um, I always say that rock bottom is a beautiful place, man, because you find yourself, you either get drowned or you find yourself, you know, at that point. And, um, uh, I remember watching fucking, uh, it was Batman dude. And, uh, <laughs> uh, Bane is explaining like something to this. Like, I think he's explaining it to Batman and he's saying, you know, hope is where I learned what despair was. Oh Yeah. You said I learned what despair was, and that's, I mean, there is no, there is no despair if there is no hope, you know, there is no hope if there isn't despair, you know, so it's like you're in the middle, like at the bottom of that fucking hole, and you're looking up, and there's sunlight, so you're just like, okay, I'm hopeful to get out, I'm hopeful to get out, you know, and, and I'm not a huge Batman fan. I mean, because I, you know, <laughs> but like I did pull a lot of stuff away from that movie and and specifically, you know, even going to where he said like the fire rises or him saying like, you know, you think that you own the the dark, but I was born in it, you know, that type of shit, because there's a lot of people in this world that were born into conflict. Right. And then they can deal with it. They can function in it. And then somebody else that thinks that they're so strong and so powerful, they go into that very same room with all that fucking conflict and they just buckle. Yep. Okay. Okay. So when you got back up, kind of going back to first one, um, when you got back upstairs, was everything good? I mean, did you feel like you were back to relative normal or were you still like on the on the edge i still was hearing the same shit okay but at that point i was like in a way that ego or that demon was like oh shit somebody noticed us we gotta act normal now (laughs) i mean that's you know because my buddy called me and he was like hey where the fuck you at and then i came upstairs so it was like it was almost like, okay, we'll, we'll let him, we'll let him go right now. Right. Okay. We'll, we'll get him next we'll time. We'll come back later. We'll come back at an, another time. That's, that's how I felt. And, you know, um, we lived in these things called the crack houses, like in, in Camp Pendleton, dude, they look just like crack houses. Okay. Um, like his bed was on one side of the room. My bed was on the other side of the room. And even being in the room with another individual, I could still hear myself telling myself like, the same shit yeah but at that point i was kind of you know it i got out of the car walked upstairs and i i felt like it was over but it was still there Mm -hmm. 
Okay. So then moving on from that, still hearing it, did that, did you continue to hear that same train of thought? I mean, for months, years, I mean, what, what took you to the next, the next step, I guess. I just learned to, to let them talk. Okay. You know, instead of talking back to them, like I'm not a piece of shit. I can, you know, I just let them, you know, it's it's like being in a house with an abusive person and you like being on eggshells so you don't set them the fuck off. That's pretty much how that was in my mind. It was just like, just be cool, you know, just 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 be okay. That's that's all it was. But I, I still I mean, I, I still hear the same voices now, man. You know, when something goes wrong or not even necessarily when things go wrong, it's just like you're not as as, as cool as you actually think you are. Yeah. you know so okay okay so then your second i don't i don't know how you want to frame it up so the the second time suicide became a real thing for you what was it the same same thoughts that were coming back was it something entirely different i mean did you kind a little of... bit more it was a little bit more pressure okay you no know, things were going wrong at that point okay in the same voice that was with me Fuck, man, that was like 2000, 2011. The same voices that were with me at that time were the same ones that came back. Okay. But this time it was like, see, we told you before that you weren't as cool as you, you thought you were. And, you know, if you wouldn't have listened to so-and-so, you would have been so much further in your career. And if you weren't a bitch, you would have been able to do this, this and that. So they just had more ammo. Okay. You know, they definitely had more ammo because of my shortcomings in life, you know, and then like they pulled up my childhood. Like, I, I bet you nobody really knows, you know, what your childhood was like, but you're making it seem like you were just this, you know, so it was like they had more ammo at that point because I'd failed a lot more times. Okay. So it was judging up, you know, what failure, childhood not getting as far in your career, stuff like that. So it was just kind of this hodgepodge of shit. Is that, is that right? Yeah. And I mean, I was still like, dude, I was, I was probably five years in at that point. Okay. You know, so I was, I was kind of seasoned as a Marine, you know, so I had been on two deployments already. Um, so it wasn't like I was like brand new to it, you know, brand new to coming home with like kind of, that on edge feeling and, you know, knowing that somebody that you knew died on deployment, like shit like that. Yeah. Um, whatever it was had more ammo and it set me off a lot further than it set me off before. Um, I actually tried to take some pills that I had um, and I just got sick as fuck you know I didn't die from it I got sick as fuck and the whole time that I was sick that voice was there like mm -hmm. you couldn't even do this fucking right like just terrible terrible thoughts you know um I was actually in LA at this time and uh, I 
I was married, which is, which is a big, bigger issue. You know, I was married at this time, uh, had a kid on the way and I heard, you know, you don't even know how to be a father. You don't even know how to be a husband. You don't even know how to be a leader. You don't even know how to do all this shit. You're just, you know, you're just winging it. And when I started to think, I mean, that that's how close these things are to you. Your ego is to you, you know, because it's like my dad got deported, you know, so the things that he should have showed me in life, I learned from either the street or my grandpa, you know, and how to be a man. Um, my dad was very disconnected from my mom when they were living in the same house from what I saw. And so learning to be like a husband to my then wife was like, I didn't know what the fuck that was. Yeah. You know, having a, a kid that's going to come in this world. I didn't have the fucking, the, the, not a clue on how to be a fucking dad to him, yeah. you know, or a parent, for instance. Um, I was still battling just like some dudes mindsets in the Marine Corps, as far as like them not kind of buying into like this job is dangerous and can get dangerous quick and you can get fucking killed and me like them just not even buying into it. And me thinking like, what the fuck am I doing wrong? Right. You know, why did the group before these guys listen and then these guys not listen, you know, years after them, like, what am I doing wrong? Who am I? You know, so it just like, it hit me all at once, man. And, um, sitting in a house, my son's mom was gone. They were gone for the weekend. I think it was a week or something. They went to Mexico and, uh, I was in the house by myself. And I took those fucking pills. I think it was probably, I think it was like a Friday night. And everything in me wanted to call the fucking the cops and tell them like, yo, I'm fucking ODing right now because my body was so fucking hot. Like I was, I took off all my clothes, man. I was naked in my fucking apartment. And uh, I was trying to like stick my hand down my throat and throw this shit back up. Cause I was like, oh fuck, like I'm going to fucking die right now. Yeah. And I think if it wasn't as painful, I would have fucking just went with it. You know, I, I would have just, you know, went to sleep, whatever, but I didn't go to sleep. I got sick. Yeah. Yeah. Actually. I did, yeah. I mean, my fucking, I had to get my stomach pumped and this is like, while I was in the Marine Corps. So like I went back fucking Monday morning and nobody knew shit. Yeah. So do you, I can understand right. All of the thoughts and stuff, right. You know, I've obviously different, right. Do you, and I know that there's stuff and I hate to use this word cause I feel kind of weird about it, but like, was there anything that kind of triggered the start of all of that? Like, did anything kind of lead to the escalation of those thoughts that you can remember? Being depressed, being depressed, man. Okay. Like, getting married is scary sometimes for some people. Yep. You know, having a kid is like scary. You know, it, it just is like, it's supposed to be, you know, this good thing supposedly, but that's scary shit. 
because I knew when my son was going to be born, I wasn't going to be there for it. I was going to be gone on deployment. Wow. Okay. So a lot of different things. Yeah. Um, and I was so disconnected from my son's, uh, my now son's uh, mom, my ex-wife. I was so like detached from her family that I probably should have been with them in Mexico. You know, I okay. should have. And, you know, she asked me if I wanted to go and I said, no, I didn't want to go. And I just sat in, you know, the apartment and uh, I sat with those, you know, that ego or whatever the fuck it is, you know, and it just started just picking, picking, picking. And then it started taking chunks out, taking chunks out, taking chunks out. And then by the time I realized it was just like, okay, there's nothing left. Yeah. You saved up a bunch of money. And I mean, it's so fucked up is like, the reasoning behind these things is just like, okay, you got all this money saved up, you know, so your son and your, your wife is going to be taken care of. Um, so just, just go. And for me, I was like, okay, yeah, I do have all this fucking money saved up. You know, they'll be fine if I leave and your, your, your son won't ever know who the fuck you are anyway. So, you know, you kind of like save him from knowing that his dad's fucked up. Like, that's what I was hearing. So, so I said, man, whatever is inside you is very educated on who you are as an individual, mm-hmm. all your flaws, every single one of them. And like I said, I got sick, man. And I was laying down and I'd taken all my clothes off. Cause I was fucking seriously overheating. And, uh, even when I like got ready to call the cops, whatever inside me was like they're just going to save you and when you go to the marine corps and they find out you know you're going to get kicked out people are going to think you're a bitch and all this other shit so that's what like that's what stopped me from doing it and then eventually i did like i need to go to the fucking hospital you know um definitely fucked up my, my my liver because of it um a lot more than drinking alcohol yeah. You know, but yeah, I was, I was completely fucked up that second time. So after the second time, I mean, kind of a similar question. Did you, I guess, did you throughout that, were you trying to fight these thoughts in any way or were you kind of just sitting there with them and letting them kind of pick and pull? I was getting beat up. Okay. So you were just hanging on. I was just, I was getting beat the fuck up, man. Like me telling myself like, no, these things are not true. Like you're not like your dad, like you're a good husband, shit like that. Like I was telling myself that stuff again, but then like it was just coming back with more stuff, just more stuff, just more stuff. Like things that, you know, arguments that me and my son's mom got into before we even got married, that probably would have been like the red flag of this relationship is going to fail at some point, Sure, you know, it brought up all that shit and it's like, well, you should have known and you should have done this and you should have done that. And it was just like, Holy shit. Just let me fucking breathe for a second. You know? Yeah. But it didn't. Okay. Okay. So after second time, I mean, did you feel like after that you had kind of gotten a good hold of it? Was it still kicking your ass after you got deployed? And then, I mean, what, what happened after that? 
Well, I told her about my attempt. Okay. Um, I don't think she really took it serious. Okay. As well, in like, she, didn't she think hears this, you know, I'm just being very transparent. Yeah. I don't think that she was, she didn't take it serious, man. Like when I told her that I tried to kill myself, it was kind of like, okay, well, I'm going to continue doing what I'm doing. Like, well, why'd you do that? And you just, you go, you need to go get help. And it wasn't like a, like, let's sit down and figure this the fuck out. It was more like a. It was an inconvenience. Yeah. Yeah. It was like, well, you're not dead now. So, you know, she kept unpacking and shit like that and doing whatever. Um, so it wasn't, I don't think it was real to her at that point. So how did you take that? I mean, did you? Oh, that's what destroyed our marriage. Okay. That's okay. absolutely what destroyed it, man, because I felt at that one point in time, like I wanted to tell her about all the fucked up shit that yeah. I experienced. I wanted to talk to her about like the thoughts that I was having. And at that point, it was just like, okay whatever's in my head that you know or or me that is so good at disassociating who's like okay well she's one of those ones we need to throw in a closet because you can talk to her so in that moment i mean is there anything that you and, and maybe if somebody's listening right that's in a similar situation right that has pills has the gun has these thoughts can really knows exactly what you're saying is there is there anything that you know now whether that would have been talking to your wife talking with somebody that you feel like somebody should know either to save themselves to talk with their significant other you know whatever the case may be save the save the relationship you gotta get fucking help you gotta get a mediator you gotta get like a ref you know and that has to be somebody that you kind of like can talk to and sometimes you got to be sneaky with it. Like, Hey, you know, I need you to call so-and-so and just like ask her, how are things going? You know, you guys good. And at that point in time, that individual is going to choose to say like, no, we're not doing fucking good at all. Like your friends being a dickhead or whatever, like at least be like that, that mediator in that situation. Um, also try to get your fucking self out, you know, and that's like not holding it to fuck in because when you do that, it just, it'll eat you, you know, um, it's a powerful thing, man. And sometimes you can take yourself the fuck out of it. Sometimes you can't, but it's like, if you're committing a crime, you need a crimey, you need somebody watching the door. Or otherwise, anybody can walk in. You know, so that's having that buddy that you trust that's just like, I'm going to tell you some deep shit. Don't fucking judge me, motherfucker. Whatever. Just listen to what I'm telling you. And based on how that individual is, is going to be, you know, whether or not you have that support system that you absolutely need or whether that dude doesn't take it serious at all you know, tells you the cliche shit of like, oh, just suck it up or, you know, tomorrow it'll be fucking better, like that type of shit. 
when you're in that that zone, dude, that's not something that you need to be fucking told. Right. You need to start like digging, trying to figure out where this shit's coming from. You know, it's like weeds. Weeds grow, and then you try to figure out where the fuck, you know, all these weeds are coming from. But they've already like released their seeds. So the more you take those out, the more fucking other ones grow. You know, so it's like trying to find where it's coming from and being able to communicate that even if you can't communicate it trying your fucking best to communicate it okay i think that's really important right one finding somebody that's not going to tell you the sweet things right Mm -hmm. suck it up because nobody wants to fucking hear that and then not being judged for it i think that especially when it's something this personal where literally your life is on the line right like you don't want to hear oh it's okay it's a phase you're fine everything's fine i'll be good tomorrow or holy shit i'm scared of you or scared for you right yeah well yeah no fucking shit i'm scared for myself too right i mean like i said i can't relate on the suicide but there's been times where it's like i've had my own demons where it's like i'm scared of like you know everything that's going on so it's like i get that everybody's freaked out but don't tell me that, right? I need you to be yeah. like in the minute with, with like, oh, fuck, you're dying. Yeah, motherfucker, I know I'm dying. Yeah, it's just. <laughs> you don't need yeah. to tell me the obvious. Like blown off. Oh, fuck. Like, dude, don't fucking tell me that, you know? Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. So what advice do you have for people that need to, to go ask somebody to talk to? I mean, is there is there a tax that you found where it's like, hey, I'm having a moment. You know, I need I need to go confront somebody to to talk about the demons in my head. And maybe maybe somebody hasn't ever talked about what they're thinking or feeling before in a way like this where it's so blatant. I mean, how do you how do you suggest people approach it with with a friend or a confidant or whatever you want to call about talking about this very conversation just got removed? Did it really? Yeah. I saw my phone's been going off. I can I've been seeing it. Yeah, it got. I, I I have no idea why it got removed, but it got removed. Um, it it's weird, man. You know, even that situation right there, like we're we're doing a yeah, good thing. That's a, a very graphic photo, but at the same time, it's like the captions telling Instagram that we're talking about a very serious you know, situation and how to get past it. And they don't even view it as that, you know? Yep. Um, but I would, I would say what I've learned about talking to people that want to commit suicide is you got to like, just shut the fuck up. You know, you got to let that person vent as long as they want to vent. But before you do any of that, you got to figure out why it is that they feel this way. You know, so for us, I tell the person like, yo, we're not a medical fucking, we're not psychologists. We don't have anything. We only have our experiences to fucking help you out. And some of my very first questions are, did you do any drugs? Did you fucking drink alcohol? Like, and, you know, like I said before, if they've been drinking beer, whatever the fuck, I'm just like, yeah, hopefully you drink one for me, you know, kind of like. (laughs) Light it up a little bit, you know, yeah. instead of like, oh, well, that's the reason why you're fucked up is because you've been fucking drinking this whole time. You know, right. that's that's not that's not a way to go and talk to somebody about something as serious as suicide or 
you know, mental illness, it's, it's, it's not, it's, it's not the way to come at it. Um, once I find out like what's bothering that person, it helps me to know which part of the woods I'm going to go down because having that conversation is like walking in the middle of the fucking woods, you know, and you're looking for that kill and that kill might be okay. Boom. His girlfriend broke up with him. That's a fucking trigger. Boom. He's been drinking alcohol, but you gotta, you, you gotta walk through, man. You gotta stalk. You gotta look, you, you gotta wait, you know, because if you go into it, just fucking blasting off rounds at this, you know, this elk or whatever the fuck you want, you know, I'm using this analogy as hunting. You'll blast him. You're going to scare him. Yeah. You move, you know, make too much noise. You're going to fucking scare him away. So you got to wait, you got to wait till they get super close and then you got to fucking go for it. And, you know, sometimes listening to people when they start talking about relationships, it's just like, yeah, I've had a bunch of fucked up relationships and it's kind of drawing them in, you know? And once they get close, like, you just start executing whatever plan it is that you have. Um, Cause I know back in the day, if somebody would talk to me about suicide and it was super judgy shit, I'd have been like, Nope, I don't want to fucking hear this. Yeah. I don't want to hear this at all. Um, I didn't really have a lot of people that would talk to me about that type of shit. You know, when I started being diagnosed with certain fucking things, being diagnosed with schizophrenia, it's like, that's, it's got a really bad, you know, kind of wraparound connotation. Yeah. People are going to think I'm fucking crazy if I tell them this shit or, you know, being disassociative. Like if I tell somebody that I, you know, have that disorder, people are going to sit there and say like, Oh, well, it's just you. Oh, that's not, that's, that's not the way to do it. You know? So that's helped us, man. Um, my buddy Steve is often, you know, in the DMs talking to people. Um, he's had some of the same experiences that I've had as far as like relationships have gone. Um, and we just try to best talk to people the way that we can without triggering anything. And when I say that, we talk to people at three o'clock in the fucking morning, dude. Yeah. Like it's like a, a constant, like if I'm not on social media, he's on social media. Yeah. And then we switch off and then he's on during the night. And then, you know, it's, it's kind of like a, and I don't really know how I got like that, man. It just, it just happened to where it is. Like somebody better always be around. Yeah. Yeah. I love it, man. Okay. So I took a couple notes that we'll maybe tackle down the road too. Cause I know that we've got a lot of, a lot of things to cover. So with, uh, I think, I think I want to actually, I want to summarize, kind of make sure that I got it because I think that what you just said is hugely important. So it's, you're talking to somebody that's on the edge in some way, shape or form, right? Don't jump right in. Mm -hmm. Don't, don't tell them everything's fine. Understand what it is that, that led them to this point. So kind of get the story because it's a stock, not a charge, right? You got to kind of understand understand the land or the lay of the land, understand what brought them to this point. Don't stigmatize it, right? Because you can't tell them, oh, it's the way that you are because something made them the way that they are right now. So in order to kind of help 
understand where they're at. You got to be, you got to meet them where they're at. And then uh, when you start talking to it, start talking to them about whatever it is that's going on, make it about them. And then to your point about the drinking beers, drink one for me, lighten it up where you can related to the situation and then start having conversation about what comes next. Yeah, that's exactly. I mean, do you forgive your bow when you go on a hunt? No. (laughs) Hopefully you don't, you know, you don't forget your arrows. You don't forget any of that shit, you know? So it's like, it's the same way. Like if you're not a hundred percent there, and how are you supposed to be? I mean, you can't be something for somebody else that you can't be for yourself. Right. I mean, you can try to help them along the way, and maybe you guys can gain that, like, kind of friendship to where both of you guys are accountability partners, but that's in a perfect world. You know, sometimes motherfuckers forget about you. Like, right. it's just life. Okay. Okay, so move into the third attempt i'm assuming it'd be the same types of thoughts situation third attempt was uh it's pretty recent i'll have to go back to instagram and see like when i first got my jolly ray tattoo um but i was out of the Marine Corps already, you know, I had already done my 10 years. Um, and I started my civilian side kind of gig. And like I said, last time that was super unsafe, super fucking kinetic, super, just not the right shit to be into. Right. And I took lives and I saw lives taken. And it just, it fucked with me, you know, because DW was like my brother, you know, my big brother. And knowing that I had to listen to them telling the other fucking, the other doc, like his signs and symptoms, like sucking chest wound. Okay, what are we doing next? Like, I was hearing all of this shit being talked over the radio, like, okay, applying needle D because one of his lungs collapsed. So, well, it was before his lungs collapsed, um, but they were trying to like get him to where he was going to make it, you know, or make it back to wherever, but he died on scene. Um, Like having that in my head, having, we actually had some dudes get kidnapped. Um, And they both got murdered in very fucking bad ways. And that guilt was there, you know, the whole like getting hit by the car, having to get the fuck out. Like there was just a a fucking just snowball of shit that had been there for so many years. And then me going to the VA and being like, hey, I need to fucking talk to somebody. I don't need medication. I need to talk to somebody. And them telling me, you know, okay, well, what type of meds were you on before? And uh, we're going to issue you some more meds. And I'm like, 
no, I need to fucking tell somebody what the fuck is going on right now. And in the back of my head, I was like, you're just another fucking number. Like you're just another person that they want to get fucking meds to. And I like thought to myself, like, yo, I was helpless in a way, not helpless. I was functioning, but like, if I can't get any help, where the fuck am I going to get help from? You know, because the other fucking doctor came in after like my initial, I guess, uh, conversation with the other doctor was like, he said, well, what's causing this stuff? And I said, well, I do a very fucking bad job. I'm not going to go into details, but like, it's, it's, it's not good. And he's like, well, you know, maybe you should stop that job. And it's like, how the fuck are you going to tell me to stop that job when I'm trying to like provide for my family at this point? You know, know. yeah, yeah. And it was just like him not giving any fucking no, no, nothing. Just like meds, boom. Um, And there's a photo somewhere on Instagram of where I took a picture of all the shit that they gave me. And I mean, it was like fucking almost 10 bottles. Yeah. You know, and I remember when I first got out. I went and got fucking medication from the VA because I didn't want to talk to anybody. I just wanted medication. And uh, like there was, there was, there was nothing, man. So the other guy comes in tells me that he's going to put me on these meds and I just walked the fuck out, walked out, sat in my truck, um, took out my pistol and that voice there was another voice that told me like if you didn't die doing the shit that you've been doing why would you die now yeah i don't know what like i can only think it was dw telling me that shit you know in the spirit world like him saying like the fuck are you doing right now um and i just i just got out of it you know, that was my last attempt. I haven't, I mean, that was many years ago. Um, that voice has kept me grounded because then when I go back and I think about those situations to where I should have got fucking smoked, it's like, well, it's true. Like if you couldn't die there, why would you die by your own fucking sword? Um, And now I'm just a lot stronger to where I can identify what's me and what's not me. You know, I gained some weight and like me being able to tell myself like, motherfucker, you got fat fucker. Like you need to start changing your lifestyle for you. You know, that wasn't like a, you are worthless. You are this. It's just like that voice of like, okay, you need to figure it the fuck out. You know, before I didn't have that. How do you I didn't think have you, that. Was that? How does it say? How do you think you got that voice, and were able to kind of live by it? Just time, man. You know, time. Um, I went through an exorcism, like crazy shit. Yeah. An exorcism a couple years back. I think it was actually two years. Um, went through an exorcism and. Through some very good fucking dudes that are into some other stuff. Um, upon going to this fucking shaman, I told him, 
that I wanted to be released. What whatever was on me, this heavy weight, I wanted to be released. Yeah. I didn't want forgiveness. I wanted redemption. And whatever dead was with me, I wanted them to forgive me for what I did. And I wanted them to just be at peace. You know, they didn't need to haunt me anymore. And the guys that have been close to me, like DW and, and Nick, like, I don't want them to look out for me anymore. I want them to leave. Like, I got it. I got it from here. Um, and just that whole, like, dude, that exorcism was like fucking four hours, man. And I can't even describe it. It's not like a fucking movie, dude. It's not. It's like things coming out of you, like murder, like that fucking murderous, like mindset that you have in you kind of coming out. I mean, it's still with me now, but it's just like, now I know what it is. Um, and I did that to just be better, you know, to get to the point where I can like communicate on Instagram with guys about what I've been through, you know, going and seeking help, talking to my therapist all the time. Um, because I remember when I walked to my therapist the first time, man, I couldn't say shit. I was like, I don't trust you. I'm going here because the courts are telling me to come to you. Like, that's the only reason. And then after kind of that, um, I was able to communicate a lot better. So I know that's not, you know, the, it probably sounds fucking super crazy. Like, dude, you got an exorcism, but like. Everybody's got their own path, man. Yeah. I guess. How did you get to the point of of deciding, you know, because I I feel like this is, this is obviously a personal conversation and personal question, but like, how did you come to the point that you felt the exorcism was the right way for you to find, I guess, the clarity communication like how how did you get to the point that the exorcism felt like the right the right step for you so i reached out to a dude ed manifesto um i don't know if you follow him online but i do yeah yeah so talk to ed ed pointed me in the direction of somebody else um i talked to that individual they talked to me back and they said hey you need to come out to denver um went out to denver you know kind of had like a a hangout session with this dude to where he was kind of like filling my energy. And he told me straight up, he's like, you got some death around you, man, like some bad shit. But what led me up to that was like, I believe in different things. And I believe that your dead do follow you. And I believe that if you've killed somebody unjustly or justly, they're with you. They're with you. Like they, they absolutely are. They're, they're in the same room with you. You know, and until you man the fuck up and you're just like, okay, we were initiated and we both were in a fight. That's one of those times when they just, I mean, they walk the fuck away. They're just like, okay, at least this, you know, um, there's other times when you're holding on to your friends so much or your loved ones so much that you don't let them rest. Right. And I knew that like the murderous anger feelings and the like super depressive feelings and all of that shit, like that wasn't humanly shit. It just wasn't, it felt so heavy. And I like, it was like, I was dragging like, you know, those ball and chains, like that's what it felt like. Like, you know, I get two steps when I was tired, 
I get three steps and I'm fucking blown out. I get four steps and I'm just like, fuck. Um, so I needed to go to somebody that, you know, worked with that type of stuff. Um, I went through Olympia, which is like cleansing. And it's, uh, it's a Latin American like term for cleansing. Okay. I went through that whole process with a padrino, which is kind of like a godfather. That's what that word means. But like, um, they take you through some spiritual things, you know, they either put things in you or they bring things out of you, you know? And, uh, I knew that the things that were in me or around me were not of this world. So I needed to, you know, in my own way, figure out what it was. And, uh, it was definitely an experience, man. Like breaking my fingertips off, grabbing the chair so fucking hard to like him saying that my neck turned damn near to the fucking back of my head and me waking up kind of out of this trance and like feeling like I got hit by a fucking train. Yeah. And having no account of like any of it. But then going back and like him telling me certain shit and then me being like, okay, yeah, I remember that part. Like, I remember this feeling like, I mean, there were times during that exorcism to where like whatever's in me talk to him, mm-hmm. you know, and obviously for biblical people, they're just like, that wasn't real or those were demons or whatever. I get it. And they probably fucking were and they probably are, but it still happened. You know, and it wasn't a gimmick like, oh, where well, you're going to see this dude and he's just, you know, whatever. Like he he actually walked me through that process. And for a long period of time, you know, we continued to talk and I would ask him, like, why am I hearing so much traffic inside right now? And he's like, because you woke them up, yeah. you know, and the best thing that you can do is learn to communicate with them now. So that that was like the reason for that. Um And I came out the other side, you know, and there was like some very aggressive times that I had very, you know, times that I just felt unsure about shit. Um, I was lost, you know, for a little bit. And then like, once it started to calm down, I was like, okay, this is this, this is this, this is this, this is this. And I was able to identify a lot of that shit. The feeling of death, you know, having almost took my life so many times having took other people's lives and just participate in, you know, that activity. I started to understand that, like, I started to see death, like being around people, even hearing people talk to me on the telephone. Now I'm just like, this dude is on the fucking edge. Like if I don't talk to him right now, I mean, there's been times that I like had to go take my son to his, you know, his grandmother's house. Like, I got to talk to this dude. I can't have my son in the same room right now. Yeah. We talked about that before. I mean, there's been times that I've had to do that or like stop the fucking car somewhere to talk to somebody because I'm like, I hear it. I hear the same voice in this person that I had, that I heard, you know, it's the same. It's the same shit. Death is the same no matter what. Yeah. So pretty real stuff, man. Told you we were going to go down the rabbit hole. No, man. no, no. It's it's good. I I think it's 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 all stuff that's worth sharing, you know. And, and I think it's worth getting a freaking uh, 
Instagram posts deleted over, you know, I think that it's, yeah, right. it's all, it's all real stuff. Whoa. So yeah, it's not like you can't repost it later and fucking no big deal. Okay. So what I know that we talked about, maybe talking some more about the manic and dissociative disorders. Is that something that you still feel like maybe sharing? Yeah. That's yeah. Okay. I mean, it's very real. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't know anything really about either. So do you mind just sharing what both of them are and then what it looks like for you? So paranoia schizophrenia for me is kind of like always having like that low and high all the time. Um, I was told it was because of a chemical imbalance. I got many tests that kind of like blood tests that like, okay, well, this is what this is. And this is what this is. Maybe it's your diet. Maybe it's not like, let's put you on this diet to figure out whether or not, you know, your mood changes. And then it, it you know, it was still there. Right. Um, and then that's when they finally made their, you know, their, their determination of what it was. Um, there's thoughts where I feel on top of the world, like nothing. Like if you told me that the fucking sky was blue, and I went outside and I was like, nope, it's black. Like, I'm going to fight you over that. You know, yeah. <laughs> um, there's times when it goes from like being super on top of the world to like the worst Yeah, where I don't leave my house for days. Death is back. Yep. It's, it's definitely, and, and, and death is the, I wouldn't, I don't want to talk to about her like that because I feel like death is the most raw thing, most honest thing that human beings will ever experience because it doesn't lie to you. She doesn't lie to you. She doesn't tell you, oh, you're going to live forever because you know at the end of the fucking train track, you're going to see her, you know, yeah. and it's she's inevitable she's inevitable. So I, I wouldn't say that. I mean, I say that my ego is in the room with me, you know, my, my ego is there. Um, there's times, like I said, when I feel like I'm like doomed and I'm trying to figure out like, what did I do in my life? And then common sense goes in and it's like, what do you mean? What did you do? Like, you've done a lot of stuff, you know? Um, and then there's times when I'm just like in the middle, I'm just coasting, you know, nothing's bad. Nothing's, you know, good. And I'm not hearing anything. I'm just kind of like, Oh, all right, cool. And then boom, like high again. And I'm just like, Oh yeah, fuck yeah, dude. I'm the best thing that ever, you know? And then an hour later, a couple hours later, it's just like, boom. Down the fluctuate that much for you? Oh, yeah, yeah dude. It, it does. And I mean, I've been able to just like function. I haven't straightened it out. I just am a functioning person now to where I can identify when I'm at that high point. I'm just like, all right, you got to come down now. You got to like, you know, because if you don't, <laughs> it's going to hurt. <laughs> you know? um, and then when I hit those really low spots, it's just like, I tell myself, you made it this far. Keep going. Um, yeah. But it's, it's like that for me all the time. Um, 
tied into being, you know, having the disassociative order disorder. That just allows me not to get attached to things. Um, I struggle with having a relationship with my own son sometimes because it's just, I don't really know why it is. You is know, I, like, I like when you say this, when you say having a hard time, like associating or is it literally like just hanging on or, or being related or affiliated or, I mean, what's, what's that feeling of dissociation? Well, I mean, if it's your, your kid that comes from you, mm -hmm. you know, you should be able to love that kid the way that, you know, he needs to be loved, you know, and then sometimes I just can't do it. Like, yeah. It's not that I'm not trying to, but it's like I'm in my own world and then he's in his own world and we're just kind of like, how you doing, bud? Yeah. Doing good, dad. And then this is like, you know, um, I fight through that, though. You know, that's one of those things that I do fight through because I understand it's not his fault. Right. You know, um, trying to be in relationships with people like get super close to him. I, I, that's one part that's never been able to be kind of figured out. I don't, I don't kind of, I, I don't try to work myself through that because things come and things go. Right. So with the, uh, I'm going to go back just a little bit. So with the highs and lows, you know, you said that there's, you know, when you get really high, you try and bring yourself kind of like, let you let yourself know that it's going to come back down when you get really low to bring yourself kind of back level are there, how did you kind of couple things? How did you identify those things? Right. Cause it's probably pretty easy in the moment not to recognize what's happening. How did you kind of understand that that's what was going on? Um, like I've never been really afraid of anything. I don't ever remember. I mean, I've, I've even asked my mom, like, was I like a very fearful kid? And she's like, no, you used to do shit that like, I thought you were going to get taken from me because of what you were doing, you know? Yeah. And uh, she said that stemmed from like being a child, like climbing out of the fucking, uh, you know, baby thing. Like at a young age, I was just a daredevil, you know? And being able to identify like, okay, I'm too high right now. Like there's, everything is not going right. Like there's something that's, you know, not where it needs to be. So why are you making it seem like, you know, nothing's going to happen. Right. Um, feeling very like aggressive. Um, like no cortisol being released at any point, you know, and cortisol is like your, your fight or flight hormone that your body just normally produces. I don't have that. And I think gambling with, I mean, it's kind of like rolling the dice with your fucking hormones sometimes when you're engaged in certain activities, because it's like, if you get high off something so much, your body gets addicted to it and just not having that fight or flight mentality or that hormone going through my body. I know when it's too high, you know, when I'm in the oil field and I'm about to knock off, you know, this flange or something. And there's pressure behind it. I know that there's a danger. Mm -hmm. 
behind it, you know, but then some days I'm just like knocking this fucker off. And then somebody like yells up like, Hey dude, there's fucking pressure on that. Just stuff like that. Or like driving super fast or just it's, I, I know when it's there and my speech pattern speeds the fuck up, like super, it speeds up. My thoughts are racing. Um, very manic. Like I said, like that high is like a mania. Um, and I just, I've been able to identify when I'm too high off of it. Yeah. You know? Okay. So then kind of going back to your, your son and pushing through the dissociation, right? I I feel like, you know, it's easy, it's easier not to fight through things that are difficult right particularly when it comes to emotions you know the mentality of things how did you start pushing through and saying no i'm going to be you know maybe more i don't know how to phrase it right more engaged with my son more aware of what's going on how did you start to to push through that not wanting to be like my own dad I mean, that's the biggest conviction that I have is like not wanting my son to kind of just like be left to his own devices. Um, His mom is, you know, a great mom. She's very involved, but like as a boy, a boy needs a man. Like that's, that's my opinion, you know? And if that man is a good man, I'll say that, you know, I guess, like I said, me just knowing like, it's not his fault. You know, it's not his fault that I have some issues that I need to deal with or get figured out or learn how to function with. And so when I do find myself like being in the house with them, to pull myself up, I'm like, Hey, buddy, let's go to the park. Or I'll walk up next to him and just like put my arm around him. And I'm just like, Hey, like, what are you playing? And then he's like, Oh, I'm playing Roblox dad. And I'm just like getting super into it to the point to where I'm like, Oh, you shouldn't have lost that. Or like, you know, (laughs) just like bringing myself out of it to where I'm enjoying what's going on. Right. You know, because that feeling of knowing that I've been gone 90% of his life comes back to where it's like, you've been gone this whole time. Like he doesn't, he, you're just here at this point. Like he is functioning with you, but you're not really a dad to him. Sure. You know, you haven't been an example to him, stuff like that. Um, And then I just talked to him about really serious shit. You know, one day I was going through some of the stuff that like I've been able to recover and there's a red radio that I have and that red radio was from a dude that we, you know, did some weird stuff to. And he found it one day and he was like walking around the house, radio check, radio check. And I took it from him and I was like really aggressive with how I took it from him. I'm like, Hey, don't be fucking around with this. And he said, why? And that was like, fuck like I gotta have this conversation with him because my son is not the type of kid that'll be like you tell him not to do something he's like okay no he wants to know why he can't do certain stuff 
you know, so I had to tell him, I'm like, you know, when dad was working, we met some, a very bad person. And this is something from him. And then his next question was, why, well, why did you keep it? And I'm like, fuck, now we're like going down this too. And I'm just like, you know, sometimes when you do things that are like super important in your life, you keep something to remember it. Why do you want to remember it? And like, you know, so, I mean, it's just, it's, it's being able to have, you know, those conversations of why like me and his mom's relationship didn't work out. Um, why I was gone for so long, why I leave for two weeks and I come back for a week. Like, why am I not constantly home? Or, you know, his favorite thing is to do now is like mock me to where I'll be like staring off into space, <laughs> thinking about whatever. And then I'll see him and he'll be like staring off too. <laughs> and he's staring off. And I'm like, why are you doing that? And he's like, well, you're doing it. And I'm like, <laughs> you know, it's just, it's, you could just got to laugh because kids are observant, you know, right. they see things that you don't, you know. And they see, they, they notice every single thing, you know? So it's just like being able to understand, like he's looking, yeah, he's paying attention, you know, to what's going on. Um, Do you feel like that helps you? I mean, like knowing that, absolutely. that yeah, that yeah. he's watching. Yeah. yeah. It, it, it does. I mean, it, it has. And I think that's, what's kind of like, pushed me into the direction of kind of changing my ways because it's like if I can't function for him that's the biggest that's what got me into the streets you know was like if my dad was around probably I you know I wouldn't have been in the street because he would have been like I'll beat your ass if you go out again you know (laughs) not having him there my mom being there you know I could kind of run over her in a way she was very strong, but it was just like, and then I see that in my son, you know, I see those type of things in him. I see the disassociative personality that he's starting to get yeah. to where it's like, he doesn't need to be around other kids to have a good time. Like, or kids come up to him in the park and he wants, you know, they want to play with him. And I'm seeing these kids like, kind of like, let's go, let's go. And then he's like, ah, nah, I don't want to do that. So I'm, I'm seeing those things in him and it's like, like, well, why the fuck did we go to the park? You know, if you're not going to play with them. And then he's like, okay, dad. And like, it's helping me to heal and figure out what's going on with me because I'm forced to be an example for him. Yeah. If he wasn't here, I'd probably be, you know, <laughs> America's most wanted at this point. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it does help. Okay. Well, Kaz, we covered a lot of ground and there was a lot of really good conversation and, and topics. What what do you feel like we missed or you feel like still needs to be said for folks listening? Well, I mean, the, the social media aspect of, of uh, mental health is a big thing because a lot of people in the veteran community didn't necessarily get the, you know, the help that they needed. And so now you got this new generation of war fighters and they're like, okay, well, if I didn't get it, fuck those guys. And it's like, that's not the mentality that we should have, you know, even going back to this Afghanistan thing, it's like, nobody's asked if these dudes are okay. They're just sending 
these guys' care packages and like posting them up on social media. And it's nothing wrong with that. Absolutely nothing wrong with that. Like, I think helping guys get through a difficult time is, is important, but let's come down off that high and let's start looking at these dudes got to come home at some point. They got to come home at some point. And a brand new dude from high school going straight into the military. And then like his very first deployment is he was chilling on a boat. And then all of a sudden he's in a fucking country to where Taliban are right outside the wall. And he's being given children and just so much shit is going through. And it's like, that's going through his mind. And then knowing at the end of this, it's not going to last forever. Mm -hmm. So this guy is going to have to get on this bird or get on this plane and then dip out. And then he's looking at all those people that got left. Like that's going to fuck up that person emotionally because it's like, well, why, why are we leaving these guys? Like, why are we leaving? Like, why don't we stay here? Like some guys think like that. They don't think like, okay, we did our part now. Somebody else is going to come. It's like, there's people that are so innocent here to where they think that they are supposed to save everybody. Right. And I think America in general right now on social media is like, okay, we're going to save the whole Kabul or Kabul, you know, and we're going to save everybody. And that's not the reality of it. And it's like, we put up a post the other day where it's just like, okay, what the fuck are we doing for our dudes? Like, what are we going to do for like, what's the plan for our guys coming back? Yeah. You know? And then I got so many fucking negative, like, Oh, there is no plan. And I'm like, this is not a fucking question that I need answers to. I already know there's no fucking plan. Yeah, it's but, a rhetorical question. Yeah, but it's something that we need to we need to think about. And instead of commenting on a post, some negative shit, like why don't you say, okay, well, what are your plans to to help this situation? Because it's a, it, I mean, it, it'd be different if these guys were gonna return to a fucking desert where there's no society; it's just military. And they don't have to function with anybody else besides the people that they're with, then that would be perfect because it's like they don't they have to relate talk to each life. other. Yeah. Yeah. They're just they have each other, but that's not the reality. They're gonna be on on leave within like a month or a couple of weeks. And civilians, other service members are gonna ask them, Oh, well, what was it like? That's just gonna trigger a lot of stuff. Yeah. Gonna trigger a lot of stuff. And and, and it's like mental health is not pounded enough within this community or within just social media in general. And it's not taboo anymore. It's not a taboo thing to where people, I mean, there's hashtags that say mental health awareness now, you <laughs> yeah. know, so it's just, it's, it's a lot of people that are like hooping and hollering, but it's like when you got that final shot to to put it down you're not doing it right you're just watching it just walk the fuck off and you know checking on your homies is like like i said man that's something that's important to me because somebody that's left it their own devices will use those devices yeah and there's nothing that maybe you know the leaders that are in charge of these guys they're focusing on it, but where is the evidence? You know, I mean, as far as the community goes, that's why I don't really give a fuck if 
somebody served or if they didn't, because trauma is trauma. Trauma is the same for one guy as it is for the other one. It just may be a different situation, but it still has the very same origin. It's something in the mind that gets affected that causes that like instability. Right. And it's something that needs to be paid attention to. And it's not, it's just like, let's post this, you know, motivating caption and let's sell some shirts, bro. Like (laughs) it's not good. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this conversation was anything but that, (laughs) (laughs) which is exactly what I, what I hope for. So, all right, Kaz, what else, man? Just get help if you need it. You know, don't be. Don't think that nobody's going to come to help you out if you look for it. And even when you do get that help, look for other, you know, people to, to help within the journey that you end up being on. So that you can get the fuck out of that hole. But don't forget, you know, every once in a while come look down that hole like holy fuck this is where i came from you know because if you forget about it it's going to get pissed the fuck off and it's going to be like oh you forgot about me okay yeah you know, so your ego comes back <laughs> yeah it does you know so remember that you know during the the highest times to the darkest times that where you once were so that's i mean that's pretty much all i got okay. if anybody needs help they can always reach out to us um we're trying to get better at responding to people, but within doubt, you know, my number, my personal number is always on social media. So hit me up. Well, I hope you all enjoyed this conversation with Kaz, uh, enjoyed maybe being a, a strange word. Um, but really what I, I hope you got out of it was maybe some information on, um, you know, obviously Kaz's story, uh, but really maybe some good ideas or, or talking points or, or, or understanding in some way, shape or form of how to relate to folks that might be struggling and uh, understanding maybe how their mind is thinking in ways to engage with them in a more meaningful way. Um, because the conversation that I had with Kaz is, was very interesting because over the years, you know, I've definitely learned how to, um, start to put myself in people's shoes and have conversations with folks that are, you know, in a different position or point of life that I am. Um, but this conversation definitely put a different perspective on it. And so I hope you all, you know, maybe approach it that same way, as far as being able to put yourself in, in somebody else's shoes and, um, you know, maybe having a little bit more as I think the words compassion, um, or empathy towards, towards someone. So that if you're ever confronted with somebody that might be struggling or, or approach somebody that might be struggling, you've got a couple tools in the toolbox and, and maybe, uh, maybe know, uh, how to help folks. So I hope you all took some good information away today. And, um, I hope you all have a great day. And, uh, like I said, at the beginning, if, uh, you need anybody to reach out to, everybody wants to see you happy, healthy, and successful. So I hope that you all have somebody that you can lean on. If not, you know, I know Kaz mentioned he's got his number. I'd be happy to, to get you connected if I can in some way, shape or form. Um, and, uh, otherwise let's, uh, let's get after it and we'll catch you next time.